Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 189, episode one of Your Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Monday, June 14th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Britain looks good, won't you shut cold gas off? You're a fine little island, won't you shut cold gas off? Prevent suicide when you cut shut cold gas off. Oh, who is you playing with? Shut cold gas off. That is courtesy of official dickhead. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Yes, it's Miles Gray, a.k.a. Hideo Noho. I am feeling nostalgic for the Dodgers because I just went to a Dodger game for the first time with my mom. What? And the last time she was at Dodger Stadium, she was helping Hideo Nomo as an interpreter his rookie season. So oh, I really? just want to honor, yes, my North Hollywood, oh, my Japanese-American roots, all of them at once, yes. I thought that was just a cool screen name. I didn't know you had uh, that connect. Oh. So you've met Nomo? Yes! Didn't I, met I never Nomo, saw- Mr. Nice oh, guy? yo, I was in a photo shoot. Like, when he came over here, they're, they're like, oh, Hideo Nomo's now living the L.A. life. And... <laughs> My mom had to do some, like, casting to make it look like, you know, Hideo Nomo just, like, casually playing, like, sports with some American kids on the beach. So she hired me and my my homie DJ, who looked like just a California surfer kid. Right. And, like, we were playing catch with him on the beach. It was a, a fantastic time. Fantastic. That's amazing. Oh, here, man. I'll show you this picture right here. Whoa. It's me and Nomo on the beach and DJ. I right mean, there. you guys look like a boy band more than you look like you're playing catch. That is, uh, but that is. I was, I kept trying to get him to throw the ball at me full speed and like everyone <laughs> laughed. And I'm like, no, I want to see. No, like, man. You're 12 and this guy's a professional pitcher. You could die if anything, the ball hits you. So whatever. He was scared. What's the top speed of a wiffle ball, like fastball from a Hideo Nomo? Like, oh, how fast know. can he get that shit going? Yeah. That's a question for the Zeitgang scientists out there. Maybe our guest. Well, yeah, maybe. Speaking of our guest, uh, super producer Anna Hosnier continuing to kill it with yet another legendary guest. Uh, he's the host of the podcast Beautiful Stories from Anonymous People. His new comedy special and documentary Half My Life getting rave reviews. Uh, you may know him if you're one of the handful of fans of a couple small shows called The Office, Parks and Rec. He's the host of the legendary The Chris Gethard Show, uh, which makes sense because he is Chris Gethard! Hey! What's up, everybody? It's me, Chris Gethard, a.k.a. Andy Scoffman, a.k.a. David Betterman, a.k.a. Schlock (laughs) Jock Coward Stern. There it is. I wanted to see if I could hang with you a bit. You did. Thank you for coming on, man. Oh, it's lovely to be here. Thanks for thanks for the kind intro and whatnot. Where are you coming to us from? Where you at? Where you at? I'm uh well, I'm based in New Jersey, but currently I'm waiting in a hotel room in Vancouver because I have an acting job on Space Force on Netflix, and they make you sit in a hotel for two full weeks, even though I'm fully vaccinated. And kudos to the Canadian government for playing it safe, but man, am I starting to lose my mind. In your mind, did you bring things with you to quarantine? Were you like, oh, man, I'll bring like an instrument or something? Or what do you do? How do you So prepare? many people told me to buy a Nintendo Switch. I had multiple people tell me, go get a Nintendo Switch. But I stopped gaming in college because I was in college when Goldeneye came out. And I oh, hit a right. phase where every, I, literally every night, all my dreams would be that I was running down hallways. And I was like, oh, this is not <laughs> right. good. Because also, like later would be proven true that I can have some addictive tendencies in other ways. So I said, I've always just like gaming is just, I know it'll become a 22 hour a day thing. Right. So I didn't get the switch. And I wish I did because it would give me more to do. And then of yeah. course I told myself, no, I'll use this as like a creative boot camp, And it's like, no, what I'll do is I'll watch NBA playoff games. But since I'm on West coast time and I'm used to East coast time, that's like, the games are at like four (laughs) and then I have no idea what to do for the rest of my (laughs) night. So, yeah, that's so funny, man. I'm also someone who ended up having addictive tendencies who also quit playing video games in college because I was like, man, this could, this could really get out of hand. It was getting bad. And they were turning me into like an angry, I was like, people would like, beat me in a game of GoldenEye and I'd be like, it's only because you used odd job and picked Proxmine. And we right. all know that those are two cheats and those are not the same skill. And I'd be like, what am I? I'm like yeah. screaming at my friend, yeah. like my friend Katie who lives down the hall, like, like screaming Fuck at you, her. Katie. You picked odd job. That's bullshit. Fuck like, 
I told you I'm not doing Golden Gun on the silo level again. Yeah, let's run that shit back without prox mines and see how it yeah. goes. Fuck it, let's go all mines. Let's go all mines. Let's yeah. go all mines. Mines yeah. only. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe this is not the best side of myself. Yeah. All right, Chris, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about today. We're going to talk about those Dang, Southern Vax rates. Bit slower pace of life down there and a bit slower to uh, come around on the whole vaccine thing. So we'll talk about that and why that might be a problem. We'll talk about uh, the second act of the story about how billionaires don't pay any taxes, which is the hunt for who leaked that shit. (laughs) Who the fuck told you that? Hey, who told you that? (laughs) The the old who told you that argument, you you know, uh, somebody... Yeah, must be innocent if that's their first response. Who told you that? No, no. Who told you? Uh, we're going to talk about drought conditions out west. Uh, we're going to talk about a nun on the run, kind of. We're going to talk about other billionaire assholes who want to go to space. Ask the question of whether we are on the cusp of a pop culture serial renaissance. All of that. Plenty more. But first, Chris, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Well, I have one from last night, and I'd like to blame this on being in this like very strict quarantine where I'm bored, but this is something it, you could find in my search history on any given night, which is I, I recently did search uh, Roddy Piper, Greg the Hammer Valentine dog collar match. So I wanted to watch that dog collar match from 1983, mm. and I couldn't find a full video of the dog collar match. I didn't search too hard because I actually found an oral history of the 1983 Greg Hammer <laughs> Greg the Hammer Valentine and Roddy Piper dog collar match. Wow. So I did spend a chunk of last night reading an oral history of a very bloody wrestling match from 1983. And I'll stand by that. What What is a dog collar match for our listeners who are uninitiated? Dog collar match. I don't know if it was a thing that pre-existed these guys, but they would do this match where they both put a leather collar around their neck and then they were connected neck to neck via these chains Beat it style. Beat it. Yeah, it just style. had yeah. these yeah. brutally violent. They'd wrap their fists in the chains and they'd drag each other across the ring by the chain and really like bloody, brutal match. And uh, I was reading last night, I didn't realize there's this famous one from 1983. And then I didn't realize it was so popular. They had to go around the country and do like all the different territories. And they wound up oh doing this match 40 times that oh. year. And they both talked to, like talking about how like, I think Roddy Piper, his ear was torn in half and they both had like semi-permanent hearing loss from it by the end. Like all this, all this insanity that these wrestlers put us through back then. And you think back in those days too, when you're like, this was not like, this was like pre Hogan becoming like pop culture superstar. This was for them. Like, all right, I guess we got to go like entertain the Southern half of Louisiana by ripping our ears off tonight. Right. (laughs) Right. Next week, I guess we'll be up in Omaha ripping our other ear off. <laughs> yeah. Maybe only wrap the chain like three times around my face this time before you <laughs> rip it off. Yeah. Can you maybe take out my teeth? My ears are still healing. Aim for my teeth this time. <laughs> the photos look pretty erotic, though. When you look at the still images, you're like, whoa, okay. I see what's going on here, uh, WWE. It is, it is pro wrestling. There is yeah. there's always going to be some uh, homoeroticism inherent in yeah. it. Yeah. Some fans might not like to admit that, but let's call it what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like wrestling back then was closer to like being a carny or like in the circus, I guess, would be the the closer thing where you came to town, people came and saw you, but it wasn't it wasn't on TNT. Like, that right. blew my mind when I, I realized that they also did shows that weren't televised because I went to one and I was like, wait, where are the cameras? And I'm like, this isn't this is an exhibition. And I was like, what? They do yeah. this all the time, <laughs> like almost kill themselves. Cool. I'm really fascinated too. Back in those days when it was the territories, like John Darnell from the Mountain Goats has this famous story I love where he grew up in Southern California and hated Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper was like the biggest asshole, the enemy of the Guerrero family. And then he went to visit his dad up in Portland, Oregon, and he took him to wrestling matches and they introduced Roddy Piper and John was ready to like boo his head off and everybody started cheering because in Portland, they were just running a different storyline. But because there was no oh, national wow, TV, wow. it was like, oh, you can be like actually causing riots in LA through your like bad guy heel, anti-Mexican rants. And then up in Portland, right. 
you are like a beloved hero pillar of the community. They love you. Right. It's not even well, that far away. Yeah. They might not have had to change the storyline that much. Yeah, I was going to say uh, in Oregon. Given like, Portland's yeah. background. That's true. That is yeah. true. Yeah. You, you are somebody who I've always been interested to hear talk about kind of regionalisms. I think it was on Beautiful Anonymous. You talked about like just weird New Jersey early on. That, that always got me fascinated. That site is pretty, pretty incredible. I worked for them. That's, for anyone who doesn't know, that's a magazine about sort of like ghosts and local legends in Jersey. I worked for them for four or five years in my, my early 20s, and it's the best job I will ever have. It's, yeah. Wait, it's called Weird New Jersey? Yeah, yeah, and it oh, started I out as a that. fanzine, and it just kind of kept getting more and more cult access in Jersey, and then it eventually, a lot of people, if you've been to like a Barnes & Noble, you may know that, like I wound up writing a book called Weird New York, and then they did Weird US, and then all these different states, it became this like coffee table book series, but the beating heart of it has always been this kind of underground fanzine in New Jersey, and was very very lucky to find it when I did, and I encountered some situations that were truly foolish and terrifying. And I can't believe it was a gig, and it yeah. sort of helped me realize, like going on to be in entertainment, I always felt like it was one of these things that gave me a little bit of an advantage. Where I was like, "There's all these rules here, but I also know that you might be able to like make a healthy living off of a fanzine about New Jersey-based ghosts." Right. So I don't. <laughs> I've right, never felt right. a total need to like buy in on the system side of things. Right, right. They're a big part of why. And I do Incredible. think there's something about New Jersey that's like a click up in terms of just weirdness. I don't know. Maybe through your research into New York, you found that wasn't true. But like, oh, it totally my, is. Yeah, my yeah. family uh, has a story that my grandma and my aunt, when my aunt was a child, broke down on the. I think it was Jersey Turnpike. It might have been like another highway around there, but like by the Pine Barrens. Oh, yeah. And a guy just came out of the pines with a hammer and was try attacking the car. And they had to like run there back then. Like the way you called for help was there was like a phone every like quarter mile. Oh, a call box. Yeah. Yeah. Call box. And so they were like running back and forth to the call box while this guy kept running out of the pines with a hammer, just like covered in mud trying to attack their car. Classic pineys. They, they call them pineys, the people who kind of live within the Pine Barrens and do their own thing. And my friend group, I sadly was not there this particular night, but my friend group has this story from high school that we all still say this phrase to each other where they were going to see some punk show in a place called Browns Mills, New Jersey, which is, we were North Jersey kids, the Pine Barrens. That was like, you know, like trying to go to Mordor to us. It didn't make sense. And like no GPS back then. Right, right. They got super lost and they pulled into this shady looking gas station that like looked like it was off a movie set in the middle of the Pine Barrens and this guy comes out and they just go uh, hey can you help us out like how do you get to Brown's Mills and the guy just took a deep breath and turned and just turned to them and for inexplicably went how do you get to Brown's Mills and they just like hit the gas and peeled out and just got out of there they're like this South Jersey Pine Barrens nonsense. <laughs> what was that? Haunted sea captain. Yeah. yeah. Shit. Still certain friends <laughs> in my life where if I want to make them laugh, I'll just go, how do you get to Brownsville? Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, What is something you think is overrated, Chris? People get mad at me when I say this. I don't understand our obsession with LaCroix. It's a perfectly yeah. fine seltzer, but it, it doesn't need to be like the building block of people's parties and welcome to <laughs> like, like, I feel like people almost feel like they're showing off like, Hey, can I get you something? You want like a, you want some water or maybe, maybe a LaCroix and they expect huh? you to kind of be taken aback by that as if you've leveled up. And it's like, no, it's a pretty, in my mind, a pretty average seltzer available at many supermarkets and that's a good product to be i'm not trying to talk bad about lacroix but i don't see it as this sort of like level up moment in my in my day and a lot of people right. flip out about lacroix yeah i i've moved on to other flavored i found superior flavored seltzers that i prefer like i like waterloo that one gets my Ooh. palate just pumping i feel like the people i know who have like gotten really into it were people who never drank water and suddenly we're like, I hate no flavor. And then they're like, you can drink something with no sugar. 
and it's mm-hmm. like water. And I feel like that I've, I know a specific, a specific energy from the soda drinkers who are trying to be healthy that now it's like, it's like their methadone or something. That right? might be part. I'm a very obsessive soda drinker. I'm actually, I would say kind of weird in my soda knowledge. And there might be a part of me that feels like I'm sensing the same thing. And maybe there's some bitterness there of like either wow. own the fact that you like soda or don't <laughs> like soda, but let's not have right. like a weird middle ground watered right. down coconut soda. Let's what not do that. Right. Yeah. That's why I like Waterloo because it feels like it's just missing the high fructose corn syrup to become a full blown flavored soda. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what mm-hmm. I appreciate about it. It's not mm-hmm. subtle at all. I know that it's got sugar, but I'm like, are we really going to claim that LaCroix has taken the San Pellegrino crown? Because it used to kind of be San Pellegrino that occupied that cultural slot. And in my mind, San Pellegrino is just just a, a better product. It feels like we are in a uh, in a carbonation arms race where we're just like trying to get the most carbonated beverage possible. And like Topo Chico, I think, is near the near the top. But like Waterloo is also hyper carbonated, right? It's like very. Yeah. Like if you if you close your mouth after taking a full sip, like the, the a carbonation would just make your mouth explode because yeah. the gases would have to release like, yeah. oh shit, just swallowed. I feel like it's like the there's a spiciness, that, like the way that people are about <laughs> spicy food. People are about like the carbonation has to fucking hurt. Like my kids call it sharp water because it like feels like you're like getting pickle pricks in your in your mouth and they like it, you know? Right. Uh, but it feels like their chest is going to break open if it don't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it sounds it. like they like it in the same way we used to like, like warheads and crybabies, like candies yeah, that exactly. cost us pain. Yeah, right. that exactly. Was a, which was a really good, that was a good phase of my childhood. Oh, too. hell yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the kids that it was like their whole personality though. Like that for a while, I remember like they were cause like, oh, that's the warheads kid. Yeah. <laughs> like you can hand him any flavor of warhead. You can stand here and watch and no tears will escape. He won't even grimace. He can just take right. down that warhead. It was a major source of middle school respect in my community. Yeah. Right. It becomes, it becomes mythological. It's like they did a whole pack. Like, yeah. no. Yeah. Are their parents still split up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what is something you think is underrated, Chris? Well, I want to be clear. This is in no way like any sort of like purchased branded advertisement. But since I since I took down one item of the of the food and beverage world, I'll say... My wife started bringing home these snacks and they're going to sound like bullshit to anybody listening, but they're called Himalayan pink salt paleo puffs, which oh I know my God. sounds like something that would be like only for like meatheads who only want to eat protein. These things are the best. They're the best. And from what I can tell, very few people know about them and they're completely delicious. They're so delicious. What is it made of? What is it? What's, what is, what's puffed? I mean, the, the the closest analogy would be to say that it is in the Cheeto family. It is in the Puffy Cheeto family. Mm-hmm. But it's made with coconut oil, and it's salty. It's perfect. It's The company that makes them is a company called Lesser Evil Snacks, and I've started trying their other stuff, too. And they got other stuff. They got these power curls. Those are pretty good. They also make... Power. They, they had a watermelon-flavored bag of popcorn, and I was going, what is... We're trying too hard. And I ate it. I said, no, what this is is refreshing and delicious but in my mind, nothing holds a candle. They even have like a cheese flavor, like a, I, I guess it's vegan, like a no cheese cheese flavor that's meant to actually be like a Cheeto. Huh. Those are good. But these Himalayan pink salt paleo puffs, wow. you put a bag in front of me, the bag will be gone. And I am I feel like there's a chance here that if we can get enough people on board, five years from now, they're going to be in that pantheon of here's your Lay's. Here's your bugles. Here's your ruffles. Here's your Himalayan pink salt paleo puffs. Here's your Cheetos. I, I could be up there. Could be up oh. there. They're good. They deserve it. They deserve the shine. Are they pink or is the bag just pink and the salt is pink? I, it, it, I think it's just referring to pink, pink salt. salt. Yeah. Just pink salt. Yeah. They're Which kind is a of, saltier salt. It's they extra look, salt. Yeah. They look, color wise, they don't look like much. They, they kind of look almost like, um, like beige styrofoam, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, they look like un uncheesy cheese puffs. Yeah, um, but yeah. Ooh, are they delicious? Highly wow. recommend. Okay. Yeah. Is this a Trader Joe's product or? My a, wife started ordering. 
I, I know very little about I'm, I'm I promise you this I'm not like surreptitiously played to plug things my wife started ordering something stuff from a place called Thrive Market and I know very little about it but they had these things and I said let's get more of this <laughs> it feels like this could usurp pirate's booty you know what I mean that's like, what it is I, yeah I feel like what that's what I think maybe I feel like if I'm working with lesser evil I'm like we gotta go straight for pirate's booty's fucking neck with these it's the exact evolution them. Right. It's very clear. It went from Cheetos to Pirate's Booty. We all right. went, oh, healthier Cheetos. Oh, Great. And then okay, you look at the back, booty. you go, not necessarily mm. that much healthier. And then <laughs> Pirate's Booty to Paleo Puffs, which I'm not going to claim are healthier, but is an extension of the same mindset. Right, right, right. But they're good. They're good. Miles, I think your uh, philosophy of go for their fucking neck might be uh, a little aggressive for a company called Lesser Evil. But well, we'll you know, say. that's why they hire me. That's why I said, here's the disconnect, Go y'all. for pirate booty. Look, if we want to be lesser evil, then we're going to have lesser profits. Okay? You feel me? <laughs> so, look, you guys come up with the ideas. I'll come up with the PR campaigns and the straight up hashtag fuck pirates booty. Uh, well, we're working on that. That's going to be misunderstood. Yeah, that, uh, but huh. we will figure out a way to market this. But, yeah, that's the sort of spot I'm looking for. But when you said watermelon flavored popcorn, I have to circle back to that. What do you mean? Like it evokes the flavor of like the Jolly Rancher fake ass watermelon. Like what kind of watermelon flavor are we talking here? Along those lines, clearly it's like an artificial dusting. But I would say it's not offensive and it's not overbearing where I went, oh, this feels like a gimmick. And then I go, oh, no, what this is for, I imagine, is if you're having people over in an outdoor setting. Mm-hmm. This would be great on a hot day outdoors in particular. It's uh, not like meant to be like a candy. It's not like a caramel corn with like watermelon. It's like uh, they just gave it this light touch mm. and it's good. It's pretty good. Okay. All right. All right. How did you guys react the first time you heard there was a snack called Pirate's Booty? I laughed. Mm-hmm. I did too. Yeah. yeah. I think I was in high school or something when it came out. And mm-hmm. then it was like a thing that I remember kids were bringing to like for their school lunch or whatever, because like they had younger siblings who ha- were their parents were buying it for. And I was like, what is this? And I was like, yeah, it's OK. But at the end of the day, I was like, it needs more salt. It needs more. It needs more chemicals for me to fully go there. But the texture, I think, was the most fun, was the most novel thing. Yeah, it's a good it's got a good nosh. I put it in my kid's book bag this morning. <laughs> uh, welcome to Dadcast. How old is your kid? <laughs> Uh, we got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. Oh, I have a two-year-old. Hey, we are uh, last day of school today. Nice. So, oh shit! School's right. out forever now. School's, School's out for summer. Out huh? forever. I've sang that a number of times, and they've been thoroughly. Yeah. What? Yeah. What's the response to that? They're like, <laughs> just hand the spiky water, Dad. But I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some spiky water. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. And uh, let's talk vaccines. Let's talk about vaccination rates. California, uh, not to brag, but we are crushing it in terms of vaccine rates. The South is not not so much, right? Yeah. A little slow. It's a little slow. And I think more than anything like this. There have been a lot of experts, you know, pointing to the fact that while it's great that the West Coast is definitely probably going to reach the 70 percent like mark by the 4th of July and things like that. There are huge pockets, especially in the South, where the vaccine hesitancy is creating what they believe could be a big problem because they sort of compare what happened last year and are possibly saying, could there be another wave like like similar to last year? Because around this time, rates were going down. The lowest point was on June 8th. We had 18,000 cases per day. But then on July 1st, it doubled to over 40,000 new cases per day. And then at the end of July, it ended up at 70,000 new cases per day, because I think a lot of people are feeling, okay, things are dying down. Then you had all these summer breaks and things shot right up. And at that time, the southern U.S. was the most affected. So states like Louisiana, Alabama, Mississippi. And now they're looking at this and saying, you know, because now most like a lot of older people are getting vaccinated. This pocket is really probably most likely could affect young people and children because they are the like they account for the largest group of unvaccinated people 
And there's already increased reports of variants that are affecting young people and these other things that are going on. So when experts say things like those groups are, quote, sitting ducks, that is a little alarming because I think for all of us thinking like, yes, they're as we might be vaccinated and hopefully that spells a good situation for the rest of the country. If we have like novel breakout infections in these areas, that ripple effect could go through the entire country, despite even having, you know, high vaccination rates in other places. So a lot of the time they're just saying, hey, you don't want to just immune system your way through this one because you could essentially be transmitting new forms of the virus as well or having, you know, more severe outcomes because you're not vaccinated. Well, Southern Kitchen cooking up some new strands of COVID. Fortunately, the young are behaviorally good at avoiding uh, exchanging saliva with strangers or <laughs> sneezing in each other's mouths or wiping their nose and then just like high-fiving each other. Yeah, no, this is bad. This is this is not great. We're obviously in a better position than we used to be uh, when we weren't like 70% vaccinated in some parts of the country, but... Yeah, I think it just underlines how much we're still very much in a pandemic, you know, and I think as much as the this the messaging from like the media or advertisers are like, hey, it's time to get back out there and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, on a certain level, yeah, we can. But that's not to say that this is over and the risk is completely evaporated either. Have you guys had the thing happen to you yet where uh, you're going back out with your friends for the first time and then you realize you're wearing slippers? You forgot to put on <laughs> shoes or pants, uh, like in that commercial. My version of that was that I, I, you know, there's comedy shows have started back up again. And I did a show with a couple friends of mine and we were in a car together and I was in the back seat and it was three of us and they were talking and I kept having those moments of like, oh, I should say this thing about what they just said. And then I'd, it would pass me by and then it'd be like, but they were, okay. They, so they were talking about basketball, but that was three minutes ago. Is it weird if I bring it up? Now? And I was like, oh, I, this year has been long and strange enough that I, I don't know how to participate in a three person in-person conversation. I yeah. can't. You're killing it on zoom right now, Chris. Zoom <laughs> feels more natural, honestly, right, right. now. A one-on-one yeah. I can figure out, but when you have to get back into that pacing of, oh, there's three actual living human beings in a similar space. <laughs> I'm unfortunately positioned in the one with least eye contact. I have actually human evolution. It took that quick for me to not know how to insert myself into Jump this in, in. any way. And yeah. I don't know that that's my best skill on my on a normal year <laughs> is interaction. But it was profound. I was I was in the backseat actually laughing. Like my inability to participate in this is actually pitiful if anybody could see it would be pitiful what's happening <laughs> were you like about to kind of like if we had a cam one a camera on you would you about to be open up like what no, so much of that. that so much <laughs> oh, and you're like wait how long ago was that yeah and then <laughs> me sitting here like well if i talk about the peanut butter thing now they're not even going to remember they right. said that <laughs> And then the next time someone does ask me what's going on, I'm, I don't know what they're talking about currently because I've been living such a deep internal monologue. So I'm just like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. And then it moves on beyond me and right. I feel like a real piece of shit. <laughs> and it reminds me so much of my entire youth. <laughs> hey, remember when you guys were talking about basketball earlier? Well, uh, <laughs> here's an observation about that. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard, huh? What? <laughs> huh? <laughs> He's very good at basketball, right? Offense and defense, right, guys? Yeah. Two-way player? I mean, come yeah. on. We're talking about how to get my daughter to read more, man. <laughs> oh, right. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, so, so, oh, yeah. Since you brought up basketball, you've brought up, uh, you've had an open and opened up very soulful, emotionally risky revelation about your daughter's um, cognitive abilities. Well, <laughs> well Kawhi, he, he really knows how to poach a passing lane, right? Right? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> The way he puts pressure on those shooters. I mean, come on. I feel like you're not recognizing that I just said my daughter figured out how to read and they thought she wouldn't be able to. Uh huh. Uh -huh. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think the fact that he's quiet keeps him out of conversations for best in the league? A lot of people never thought Kawhi would be able to shoot, but he really worked on his J. And now, I mean, his mid range. She can read. (laughs) They told me she couldn't read. Now she reads fluently at above her grade level. My marriage almost dissolved over this this hardship, man. What? Come on. Dissolving those defenses when he's <laughs> okay. hitting that mid-range game. All right, going I'm going on. over, man. I mean, he's even hitting some threes now. Uh, 
Get out of the fucking car. Get the fuck out of the car. Miles, are you having any uh, re-entry issues? Nah. I don't know. I mean, (laughs) I've I've been on a plane. That's like I was saying, once that happens, a lot has a lot of fear has subsided. I think and also along with being vaccinated and being like, you know, for the longest time, like that's the last thing I'll ever do is get on a plane with just a mask and just be like, all right, God, let's do this. Yeah, I think that between that and the Laker game I went to and just hearing all the people scream like just animals, like when the ball tipped yeah. off, I was like, yeah, man, humanity's fucking dope. Like, let's get back into this for sure. Well, good for you, man. I'm I'm happy for you. But all, all that to say is I was invited to like a party and I'm like, part of me is like, fuck, man, how am I going to do like at a like a big party? And that's where I definitely am getting like gathered, like three man combo anxiety. <laughs> and I'm like, maybe I'll just like sit statically at a table with one seat in front of me and be like, yes, I welcome one conversation participant. Like a performance home. art piece, like a Marina Abramovic <laughs> stunt. In the right. of the <laughs> yeah, just put this card table in front. Be like, let's talk about 2020, shall we? My first party was my my neighbor who I'm friends with was turning 40. He and his wife had a party. It was like 20 people. I The only people I knew were the people who were having the party. And my wife was out of town unexpectedly. So it was just me. Oh, and no. I'm trying. Like, it, it was fine. They were all very nice people. But uh, it was some intense awkwardness that I'm trying not to let, you know, be, you know, spoil me on the act of becoming social <laughs> right. again. You know, right. it was brutal. Uh, you just this this has nothing to do with the pandemic, but I just had this memory come back that I haven't thought about in years because we're talking about parties and figuring out how to be in them. When I was twenty three, I had an apartment in Montclair, New Jersey, and the people who lived next to me were also young, and I was just so cripplingly shy and deep in my own head and dealing with my mental stuff, like not and actually not dealing with it, and I never knew how to say hi to these people, and they seemed like we could have been friends. And there was one weekend night, I can't believe I haven't thought about this. And I remember one night being home and they were having this rager and I was home (laughs) alone and I'm listening to these other people my age just have what sounds like the most fun party through the wall. (laughs) And I'll never forget just sitting there being like, I should just go knock on the door and say, hey, I live next door. Can I hang? And I sat there on my couch too scared to do it. And then I I, I still remember this moment in my head of just hearing, and everybody was just dancing to jump around <laughs> and just shouting along every lyric to jump the around. The unmistakable strains uh, of jump around. And I was sitting on my sitting on my couch alone, miserable, just like to the kids on the hill, plus my mom and my pop. I also know every word. Like I'm listening to all these <laughs> yeah. people have fun shouting every word. Yeah. Just mouthing the words silently. <laughs> just yeah, quite like one tear drew the words. <laughs> Oh Could man, the Bible's got songs. Words to your moms. Bombs. Oh man, I ain't going out like no punk bitch. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you might think I'm gonna go out like bitch. No way. Because when I shoot the gift, I shoot that. Kill. That song and Mama said knock you out. I feel like might be the most memorized rap songs for a, a certain generation of I bet people. That's true. I bet yeah. that's true. All right, let's talk about hunts for leaks. This. This is just a story we see all the time. We kind of got a taste for it during the Trump administration when like a story would come out that was based on a leak or a whistleblower. And then we would get to hear about like Trump kind of trying to ferret out the leak. And also he would tweet. He would give us like a live look into window into his brain as he like was being furious about it. And then we kind of learned that you think that like reporters were like, you think this is bad. Obama was like worse. He like was really aggressive about going after anybody who leaked and just like digging through their emails and shit. Mm-hmm. And now that is a big part of the story about, you know, the ProPublica story that we just talked about earlier last week, where they leaked the tax records of individual billionaires. You know, they, instead of it being like, here are 50 anonymous people who are the richest in America, they were like, no, you get to see who these people are, because that is how we understand stories is like mm-hmm. 
via these characters and like they are making themselves celebrities so we are going to use that to uh make our point and i think it was really important reporting and now the story that's being told in the mainstream is like they're hunting down the leaker uh the irs has like referred it to the fbi and i don't know just generally in reality when you accuse someone of something and their response is who told you that and then making the entire argument about who told you that um that's usually like a pretty good sign that that person is <laughs> doing something wrong what but, you heard is accurate to right. a certain extent <laughs> but for some reason unless it's being done by the trump administration this hasn't really hit our brains as like an evil thing that becomes like the focus of our attention I think that it's also like a lot of these billionaires must be mad at certain other billionaires because they're not even, I can't help but feel like there's something to be said for like, oh, Elon Musk is going to host SNL and then Jeff Bezos is going to announce he's launching himself into space. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, there's very little sympathy for me right now about these people's privacy rights. If I'm being honest, like (laughs) it's going to be hard for me to go like, well, I would hate it if my tax info got out there. Like, yeah, but I also don't, you know, dominate the American economy and fight unionization and launch myself into orbit. <laughs> like, it, 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 I don't do that either. For the so, yeah. yeah, I'm not going to worry too much about how who leaked that, you know, but I bet that you got like Warren Buffett sitting around going, like, I play it cool. I shouldn't, <laughs> right. like, these, a lot of these people spend a lot of time and money staying directly out of the spotlight that makes it. Um, so enjoyable to want them to get taken down. They'd prefer, we didn't know this. They must be looking at Elon going, get the fuck off a of live TV. What's wrong with you? St- yeah. Stay off a of Twitter. You're making it hot for the rest of the exactly. drug dealers, essentially. Exactly. That is, it is interesting. It's kind of become a new strategy of like, like billionaires used to, I guess they didn't used to lay low. They used to like buy colleges and name them after themselves. So <laughs> they've always liked having their name out there, but it's, it just seems like the trying to like chase celebrity, probably like having more PR dollars spent on their own like personal image than most companies. I'm sure like that seems to be a new a new angle. And the thing right. that they've arrived on is go to space, man. People people think that shit's cool. And at least a college is like. I'll put my name on this thing and other people go and learn there. And then right. there's areas that you'll learn like, right. you know, like these billionaire industrialists back in the day where it's like, I'm going to build Grand Central Station because I want I want my city's train station to be better than anybody else. It's like, you're still building a public service thing. It's like, dude, you're just going to go like read cue cards on NBC television <laughs> and like right. smirk about it. And none of us are even sure how much of what you do is real, man. Like- Right. Yeah, I'm not going to feel too bad when somebody's like, check out the dirt I got on these people. It's hitting a breaking point, you know? And it's yeah, it's actually just really scary because it's like they're going to go after the leakers, but it's not like anything changed after the Panama Papers either. And it's just, you got to sit here and you wonder, oh, it's like, it really, it, it really does feel like this is not going to change. They're not going to opt out of this. Like, it's going to need to be taken away from them. And at that point, you're talking about like, oh, is there going to have to be like an actual like revolution against billionaires because it seems like they're getting a lot of chances to go at least put in a token effort to give some of this stuff back you know yeah. right it feels that way and i think until like culturally we we shift away from just being like oh having a lot of money is good and cool it will always have like this love affair with like people who like have just oh could you imagine that's so cool you have so much money like you don't even know what to do with it and i think slowly i think more and more look more and more people look at billionaires and go, no, they're that's that's bad. This they're hoarding the wealth. And that's why there's a lot of people are lacking is because these people, A, don't pay their fair share and they're just concentrating all their wealth off of the backs of the people that work for them. Um, and I think until we can like shift culture for like a billionaire or a millionaire, you know, some like hyper wealthy person to show up like on a screen in a sitcom and people don't go, oh, woo, Ferrari. And they start going, <laughs> Boo! Oh my God! It's a fucking evil doer. Like that. Uh, that's I think the important shift that <laughs> that has to take place at some point, at least in popular culture. Right. I feel like some of these guys are really starting to come off to me. Like if Willy Wonka didn't share any candy, 
And it's like, and now you're just <laughs> a psycho. <laughs> you're just like a psycho in crazy clothes with like a weird warehouse full of experiments. Right. And you don't even share the candy. Like we don't even he do does that. The, he does the golden ticket thing, but he keeps them all for himself and then just right. like makes a big deal about how much candy he can eat. It's, He's like, damn, I got each one? Huh, who'd have thought? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to your point, Chris, I think the the message of this leak is obviously the rules are broken, right? Like it's, so like there was the CNBC segment that was embedded in uh, one of the articles about how like the IRS is hunting these people down. And the CNBC anchor was like, it's not tax evasion, it's tax avoidance. Like, I don't see what the big deal is. And like one of the people, I think it was Jim Cramer actually on the panel was like, oh, they're going to be mad at me, but I am I think these billionaires need to pay more money. And they're like, what are you talking about? How are you going to do that? If they're not booking the money, but like they just can't think beyond where they're those are refusing. The rules. Yeah, they're refusing like, to yeah, think. They suck. The rules are bad. That system is broken. But and to like, be yeah, fair, how are you going to make them book it? I called him out before, like in a joking, but I think Warren Buffett is the one who has gone on record and said like, they absolutely should change the law so we can stop doing this. And I think yeah. he's been like, yeah, I do it because it's not illegal, but it should be legal. I think it was Warren yeah. Buffett who's been like, that's right. guys, like if 20 really? of us all, that's the thing that's so maddening for the rest of us, right? Like I've been very lucky. I've, I've a couple of years ago, I had a couple of years I did really well and I have some breathing room now. I'm not doing as well. And I sit and I stress about that, but I'm very, very lucky. And even I sit here and I go, Man, it really is about 20 to 30 people that if they just like, if they cut the shit to a degree that they wouldn't even notice, it would take so much stress off the rest of us. I'm yeah. not even saying take, I'm not even saying own up to it to do it to a degree that it will affect your life. It will not affect your life. It, you'll yeah, only right. own 40% of American commerce instead of right. 43%. That other right. 3% will help so many other people get like braces for their kids and shit. Like that's what's infuriating is like you could find a middle ground where these assholes are still getting away with so much and, and it erases human suffering and they don't do it. And it's weird to say, but I'm like, that's for as gross as like, you know, the Carnegie's and, and the Rockefellers were, at least they did go and build big train stations for the rest of us. And was right. it, was it so that they could like jerk themselves off in the mirror? Yeah, sure. But they did do <laughs> something for the rest of us. Right. Yeah, absolutely. But Bezos is doing something for the rest of us. And that is going to space and showing us anything is possible. With a loan from your parents. Yeah. Let's take a quick break and we'll talk about that in a second. And we're back. And so <laughs> what you were saying before the break, Chris, Jeff Bezos coming out, getting all the all the attention for uh, planning to go to space with his brother in late July has pissed off a couple of the other billionaires. Yeah. I think his his decision was based on him being competitive with Elon Musk, right? Who yeah. was going yeah. to go to space eventually. Right. And he's like, well, fuck out Blue Origin. We want to be the first, you know, manned commercial flight out there. And they, they announced the flight like a while back. It, Bezos didn't say he was going to like so we knew this flight was going to happen. But Bezos didn't say he was going to be on that ship until last week with his brother, who I still suspect is a clone that he created in order to harvest the organs because the vibe was just really weird between these quote unquote mm -hmm. brothers. But that's for another episode. Quote, unquote. So, yeah, like, so July 20th was like the gauntlet was put down. And then Richard Branson's ass comes like, so, you know, he's been talking about Virgin Galactic since 2004, to be fair to Richard Branson. I feel like he was one of the first, like, billionaires, like, I got to go to space. I don't give a fuck. I have the money to do it. Let's do this shit. And apparently now there are now that these reports are unconfirmed, but reports have come out that. He is trying to figure out a way to go to space before Jeff Bezos now on the 4th of July weekend. So all part of this like ego match, they said, quote, a source who requested anonymity told like this person, who, Douglas Messier, who runs this blog about like, you know, space stuff, said that the company plans to fly Branson on a test flight of its spaceship to rocket over 4th of July. That would poise Branson to beat Bezos to space by a narrow two weeks. Whee! 
<laughs> Got him. I mean, how wild would it be if there's back-to-back disasters? I know. I was just going to say there's a new challenger to the throne of first billionaire in space. Like this is becoming a parody of itself. Last time I was like, this sounds like a new King Ralph type opening script where someone Bezos tries to go to space, something goes wrong. And then some some guy on Earth ends up being like, I'm the new Bezos. (laughs) But I feel like now you have Branson going up there. It's just it feels like a like a sketch or something. The real question in my mind becomes if if something goes wrong. And I'm not wishing death upon anybody, but just theoretically, if Branson doesn't make it, does Bezos still go? Oh, right. I'm doing this for Richard. Does he back out? Is he like, yeah, maybe we need to explore this stuff more and I'll leave it to the scientists? Or is he like, no, now I get to be the first and it's even more meaningful. Right. More dramatic. Yeah. I don't know. I bet he would. I bet. Yeah. How how can he resist? You know? Yeah. Because I think that would also like, wouldn't that... You know, if if the, I don't know if Blue Origin is publicly traded, but if you suddenly backed out, they'd be like, well, hold on. The head of it won't even get on like their maiden voyage. Because, uh. uh. <laughs> you know, all those guys, they have to triangulate everything based on like value and shareholder value and all this other shit. Uh, and like Jeff is like, best. he's like, I'm so scared, though. Richard get on the fucking had thing. a bad time. Like he didn't readjust well in the reentry. And I don't want that. And they're, they're like, like you got to go. You asked for this. You announced this shit. If you yeah. back out now, the stocks are going to go through. The floor. <laughs> Get on the fucking spaceship, you asshole. Fine, but I don't want. He's all like crying when he gets on. It was like, uh, I guess it was a very an emotional flight for Jeff Bezos. The panic attack. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's just again, it's just so funny when, it, this whole thing, while there is all this suffering on Earth, it's truly just like, nah. I want to be the first guy to build his own spaceship to go on my own. Uh, The one thing, though, that Richard Branson is running up against is that he needs to get like a license from the FAA like really quick in order to do this. So who knows? The bureaucracy might end up helping uh, Jeff Bezos in the end. If he needs help with that, I I know a few people I could pull some strings, uh, get get him a space license. For a space worthy (laughs) ship license. Hey, does anybody know anyone? I gotta get, gotta get my space what? license oh real my quick. God. Like next Who weekend. You? Wait, you said passport, right? Did you say passport? Wait, <laughs> space space license? Space license. Um, I don't maybe. even know where you. I don't know. Try right? the DM. Do you go to the DMV? Does the post office sell those? Like what? Yeah, I don't know who, where you get them from. Fuck, I didn't get my picture. <laughs> I, didn't get the, I didn't get the post office picture from my space passport. He would need to. They said it's doable, but again, it has to be that they need a a licensed commercial rocket, like a like a properly permitted commercial right. rocket launch from the I AFAA. Not, I do not like this for Richard Branson, man. This sounds so half-assed. Last, last minute. minute. Well, they also say, like, you know, the FAA may be able to modify the license with the FAA. And it's like, don't start cutting corners now. <laughs> what the fuck, y'all? I mean, yeah. It would, it would just given the upside-down morality of, like, this upside-down world of billionaires, it, it would be fitting that the most likable of the billionaires would just blow up like a firework. All right, let's talk about uh, a nun who's at least out here getting it for herself. Not not in the most <laughs> not in the most lawful of ways. Or uh, look, you know. nuns are the brides of Christ. We all know that. Anyone who went to a Catholic school has been been like, oh no, this person's real creepy. But yes, this this nun who is a principal. At a Catholic high school in Torrance, uh, shout out Southern California, was found to have been embezzling hundreds of thousands of dollars from the school's coffers uh, to the tune of eight hundred thirty five thousand dollars. And they didn't find this out till she retired. And like they did an, the archdiocese did an audit and they're like, what happened here? So over like her 28 year career. She would take like donations and tuition checks and like reroute some of them to like a convent fund that was there, like a bank account that was there for the nuns in the convent to pay for whatever expenses they had. But that was like her like gambler slush fund that she was using. Yeah, she was gambling and like racking up all kinds of debt and like and just using this fund to pay it off. And it's just, again, 
it ends with someone who clearly has the, the absolute right amount of Catholic guilt. They said the moment that they pressed her, she like a quote, as soon as she was confronted, she accepted full responsibility for what she had done. <laughs> and she's cooperated with completely with law enforcement and the Yo, archdiocese. Shout out to Catholicism. Just Noting that, quote, later in her life, she's been suffering from a mental illness that clouded her judgment and caused her to do something that she otherwise would not have done. Now, I don't know the details about that, but also it sounds like maybe a lifestyle of never having fun uh, contributed to this thing that clouded your judgment. And so you're like, man, fuck this. I can start shaving off 10 G's at a time and get my jollies off in Vegas and stuff. And she said she's, quote, very remorseful and sorry for any harm she has caused. That's the best. She's facing, yeah, 40 years in prison. I grew up super Catholic and I'm thinking of the nuns I knew and the idea of them like stealing yeah. money and going to Atlantic City right. is the best. What a good image in my head. I hate that that From happened and those people wasted their money, but a renegade nun? Yeah. Renegade nun? I just don't. The thing that makes me really upset is that the lack of detail of like how she spent the money, because we just know the methodology for the embezzlement right. yeah. and the amounts that were spent. Like, I need to know, like, did she have like a fucking gambler persona that she like adopted <laughs> when she would go out? She's like the habits off. I'm fu right. I'm like, I'm head to toe in Versace silk and shit. Like, I don't, I need to know these other details. Like, what was she gambling on to? Like, they're not wasting the money the way I play roulette and, uh, you know, with a direct line to the Lord above. Uh, yeah. Oh, she comes like fully have a system, in her garb. Okay. Yeah. It's not waste when you have it's a called system. faith. I wonder too if the other nuns at the convent were all of a sudden noticing, like, hey, like, where'd this eight hundred dollar blender come from? If there was just like all <laughs> right. some like weird little upgrades at the convent and stuff, like, hey, who installed this bidet? Someone installed yeah. a bidet. Oh, I guess that was just a donation from God, you know? Right. Just like <laughs> all this everyone, luxury. Did everyone have a Vitamix in their room this morning? Did huh. someone buy a live tiger? Does anybody know where this tiger <laughs> came from? Ah, <laughs> oh, God, I, I uh, these are the details that like will help bring it. But that's why it's it's good fodder for a podcast to wildly speculate on what the nuns did, because I knew that like there was I had I went to Catholic high school and there was a group of there were mostly like priests and there weren't men, there weren't really nuns that were like living on campus. But the way we'd always look at them, like, what do they do in that house? Like, they're just retired. I'm like, is our tuition paying for them to just like yell from their window to pull our pants up? Like, what is going on? Like, what 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 does this fund do? Right. I went to, um. I didn't go to the Catholic school. My parents met at a Catholic school. I lived down the block from oh, mine too. Oh, very nice. Look at that. Yeah, Super yeah. Catholic. So, you know. <laughs> and I took Sunday school at that same school where they met. And we had a nun named Sister Margaret who taught the Sunday school music class. And I came home one day and I was finally old enough to go like, I think this teacher of ours is... I think she might be like losing her mind or something. Like it's making me sad. And my dad was like, who is it? And I was like, her name's Sister Margaret. And he's like, Sister Margaret is still there? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, he's like, she had dementia when she taught oh me in God. the early 60s. She already had, she was like already kind of unmoored. My parents, I, wow. I think that was a moment where even my parents were kind of like, what are we paying for? Like this woman was... This, that was decades ago. That was decades ago, and it's still going on. Yeah. I love the, I also love the Catholic kind of loophole where you just go to confession every day. And so yeah. you're like stealing money over the course of 30 years, but you're just offloading that shit. You're offloading that guilt, just like, you know, the, like Andy Dufresne getting rid of the uh, dirt out on the play yard and Shawshank. Yeah, just like, <laughs> You know, she's just smuggling that shit out a little bit. Just, just how, yeah, how many Hail Marys? I'll be happy. To, I've got to memorize. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got time. <laughs> now, if, got time. If, if we can go dark, have you guys had the Catholic upbringing experience that I had last year of uh, one of your childhood priests' name shows up in a document that gets published? No, have you had that not yet? yet. But I, I also have not been paying attention. Yeah. I had the like getting texts from old neighborhood kids like, yo, check this out. And being like, what? And of course it was the one who was the cool one. Right, of it right. Was the cool, of it was the cool priest taking kids down the Jersey Shore on the weekends. What? Oh my gosh, no! It's yeah. Sucks. There's always. I, it's funny because I, even though I, I wasn't raised religious at all, just like that ended up the, being like the one school all my friends went to that my parents could afford, so I ended up going there. But I grew up around a lot of Catholic kids too, and like one family in particular who would have the priest over, like for dinner and things like that. 
and would drink at the house and just be like blackout. And you're like, and like in my mind, I was like, is this what priests do? Like they can just get fucked up like this and then like eat all your food. And then like, then the mom has to drive them home. Like this is normal. And then he was also like the cool one because like West Side Connection came out and he was like, all right, West Side. And we're like, whoa, cool. <laughs> but I don't, I never knew what happened to him and I don't want to look it up. Yeah. Don't Google his name until you're really ready. Until you're really <laughs> ready because it was tough. And I try, I'll try to go back to church. Every couple of years, I'll like go back to church and be like, maybe I should get back in touch with this side of myself. And then I'll be like three weeks in and it'll be like, so every uh, every priest in Pennsylvania at some point or another had a child slave. And you're like, what? It's, right. it, it's always <laughs> yeah. the timing of it. It's always right. some horrific thing happens right when I'm like, maybe I can. Oh, the I'm Pope like, no, is cool now. Sense. Got yeah. a cool Pope now. Maybe I'll try to get Yeah, we got a cool it. Pope. <laughs> and <laughs> just horrific uh, abuse just coming out from the past, from the very recent past. All right. Let's uh, one last story. Let's talk about the resurgence of pop culture cereals. Lucky Charms has come out with Loki Charms uh, in honor of the new Loki uh, streaming oh, series, which, I mean, I don't hate it. I, I kind of, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it right the, there. It works. Right there it's right there for you, you know? <laughs> uh, that's one of those ones where I think the idea came before, like, the prompt, you know? Like, they were like, what if it was Loki charms? And then, like, reached out, General Mills reached out to Marvel as opposed right, right, to, right. like, just trying to slam it together. For instance, Ghostbusters Afterlife serial, that was one where they were just like, I, I don't know, just, like, misshapen marshmallow ghosts. Right. They, like, no reason to exist. There, But there is a Ghostbusters Afterlife serial. Wasn't there a Ghostbusters serial in the 80s? I think there was, yeah. There was, yeah. There was. And I, I, lo I mean, I, I remember my mind being like blown because I was like, yes, move like that. Actually, now that I think about it, that dictated a lot of the serials I would get when I was a kid, if they were collaborating with like a movie that I liked. Speaking of dictated, there was also an E.T. serial that is just E.T. colored baby dick shapes. Like it's there's no other thing, no other way to describe it, it is like the E.T. serial. Yeah, it looks like, or oh, like yeah. little poops, but E.T. colored, so that draws the mind to what part of E.T. is this? Uh, if this but is it's just, just like, E.T. shaded. It's just like, it's supposed to be his like shriveled, shitty finger. Is that right? Peanut I'm butter guessing. and chocolate flavored, I guess. Yeah, maybe maybe that. But then a cut off finger? I don't know. Yeah, just mm. never make your cereal a part of the body of yeah. uh, the... Right thing you know you go with a theme as opposed to a uh actual physical there was also so our writer jam is making the case that this is a re return to the 80s when these child entertainment themed breakfast cereals ruled the earth and there was also a cabbage patch kids uh cereal which i don't know if you guys have the doc in front of you but he included a picture frightening down at the top of and they truly look like they were cursed by the devil himself like right. they're just like kind of misshapen smiley faces but oh that's bad yeah yeah that's really bad and, like the chocolate chips are, like weird pock marks and you're like what i do i eat this or pray over it yeah if it came to life it would immediately ask you to kill it I feel like it's hard to bring up this pop culture food crossover cuz cereals were pretty ubiquitous but then you mentioned ghostbusters who thinks about the Ghostbusters cereal when you can think about what I have to imagine was the most successful pop culture food merger of all time, which is Ecto Cooler. Yeah. Right. A yeah. drink that people wish still existed beyond its Ghostbusters association just because it was great. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll oh, be at man. the gates of Coca-Cola demanding Ecto Cooler come back. Like it, it was like a tragedy when it, you couldn't get it at McDonald's anymore. I was like, what are they doing? Like, this is... This was all I used to drink. I think they brought it back for the last Ghostbusters relaunch very briefly. But uh, I'm shocked. I feel like that one should outlive. That's like, you know, what's the song? You know the band, the Archies, and they have, is it Sugar Sugar? Is their big Yeah, band? ah, Sugar Sugar. The number one song the year, uh, <laughs> the year that uh, Gimme Shelter came out. And people don't realize that band was created. That was supposed to be Archie and Jughead and Betty and Veronica in a band. That was like a pop culture gimmick song. 
Yeah. And we all just forget that because that song's so good. I feel like Ecto Cooler should right. be on the shelves and then young people should look to our generation and be like, why is it called Ecto Cooler? And we'll go, <laughs> sit down. Sit down. Let us explain to you who Dan Aykroyd was before the skulls full of vodka. Yeah, Let me right. tell you about a little man named Mick, Rick Moranis who he quit on <laughs> us eventually, but he gave him, he gave us all of himself. It was randomly punched in New York. Yeah. Yeah. In 2022. It was heartbreaking and sad and totally right. unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, it, it really does feel because it was just tangerine flavored. That was it. Like high C, you know, and it's like a subtle flavor difference. And I think just like that mere mention of it being ecto was enough to to get our to get our little imaginations going. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where we are. I think we're lost until we can bring ecto cooler back. Stay so stay puffed is not a real marshmallow brand. What? No, I think that's from what? the Ghostbusters. That's like not a right. Is I'm, that true? I'm. I googled stay puffed marshmallows and they do not. It's only uh, 41 years old. Shit. I was in elementary school when Ghostbusters came out. This is the first I'm learning of this. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. It's officially, uh, no, I've never seen. No, now that you mentioned that, I've never seen a Stay Puffed Marshmallow, but I've no, never this considered is, this in my life. A group, yeah. See, this, these are the things. Oh, God. See what happens when we don't question everything? <sighs> we go through life thinking the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man is based off a real brand. Either way, like I'm, I'm very curious. If it is a real brand, I'm very curious. No, it what. says Dan Aykroyd conceived of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man for his initial script for the Ghostbusters movie. He They're created fictional. the character, yeah, to show that quote. It seems harmless and puffy and cute, but given the right circumstances, everything well, can be turned black and become evil. I know that the Marshmallow Man is fictional. I, I'm curious if he created the brand as well. It looks like it's a fictional food. That's yeah, amazing. And now I'm questioning everything. This is a lot. It's the last episode of the podcast. Holy yeah. shit, you guys. What? <laughs> Where do we go from here? <laughs> Wait, someone just brains. knocked on my door. Guys, there's a government agent <laughs> at my door. He told me, now that Wait, I figured this out, I have to go with him. too close. <laughs> Wait, now there's a guy who looks exactly like Chris sitting down in his place, like a doppelganger that they created. Uh-huh. Where's the Chris? Where's the real Chris going? Well, what's so wrong with Willy Wonka keeping all his candy? He made the candy. Wait, Why wait, can't hold he on, hold candy? Hold on, hold on, Chris. Hold on. Willy Wonka what should eat some candy, too. <laughs> and what was wrong with Elon Musk hosting <laughs> SNL? He's naturally very funny. What the fuck? That Wario oh sketch God. was genius. Oh, fuck. I heard so many people be like, actually, pretty good job. He did a really good job. Uh, made me mad. Yeah, when the bar is on the floor. Yeah. Sure. You got to work to put that bar down there, though, you know? Yeah, because um, you do. Just got to drop it. Just let gravity do its thing. Chris, it's been such a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist, man. Where can people find you and follow you? Uh, ChrisGeth.com and ChrisGeth on Instagram. And uh, I got the new special Half My Life, and you can go download it everywhere. iTunes, Amazon, and YouTube and Vimeo. So check it out. I hope you like it. And thanks yeah, for letting yeah. me hang out and do bits. It was fun doing bits. Yeah, this oh, was really fun. Anytime. Is there a tweet or some other work of social media that you've been enjoying? Well, this one was someone promoting something. I don't know if that counts, but uh, Laura Stevenson, who I think is a fantastic, fantastic musician, you should know, tweeted out an announcement for a new album along with a video to a new song. And I've loved Laura's stuff for years. And this song I listened to, I went, whoa, this is like darker and rockier than I'm used to. And that that song is like my song of the week right now. So maybe you'll enjoy it too. Nice. Go check that out. Miles, where can people uh, find you? And what's the tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, if you like 90 Day Fiance, check out my other one, 420 Day Fiance. Um, put it together. See how we get down over there on that show. A tweet that I like is from at Uncle Doomer tweeted, fellas, the... <laughs> The women have convinced you that cargo shorts are unsexy because they don't want you carrying around useful tools and trinkets. Don't be fooled. <laughs> I've Although as someone who used to have a packed to the brim cargo shorts, uh, it's just very hard to, to carry that many things these days. But I appreciate the sentiment. They're trying to take away our power. I used to carry a T-shirt. In one of my cargo short pockets. <laughs> Just because the, you sweat through the first one? Yeah, because like in Japan, the humidity's <laughs> fucked up in the summer. You walk outside, I'm like, this is ruined. And I'm like, deploy utility shirt from my cargo, my Jargo shorts. 
Let's see. Some tweets I'm enjoying at John Esnerich tweeted. I'll say this again. I do not have the personality disorders required for success in America. And Maple Cocaine tweeted, damn, a lot of real grotesque pieces of garbage hate Ilhan Omar. I wonder what that's all about. (laughs) Find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website dailyzeitgeist.com where we post our episodes and our footnotes where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode as well as a song we think you might enjoy miles what song are we recommending people check out this is a track from peggy goo or uh gao forgive me if i mispronounced it but she's a south korean dj producer and she has this track called nabi n-a-b-i out And it's just got this like 90s house feel to it that is like so on the nose, but also her like kind of spitting in Korean over it. It just, it's like kind of this surreal thing of like, man, what if we were partying doing warehouse, you know, parties in Seoul in like 91? And that's exactly what the vibe of this track is. So this is Nabi by Peggy Goop. What was that other Korean uh, hip hop song you played earlier last week? That shit was. Oh, you already forgot about hey man, that was uh hey. Parky Jin. Yeah. Yeah, I need to I need to go dig that shit up. Yeah. All right. Well the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's gonna do it for us this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to y'all then. Bye.